الحمد لله في السراء وفي الضراء وحين البأس وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وعزيزنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون ما يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد Dear brothers and dear sisters أيها المؤمنون There are many ayat and many hadiths that speak about the commonality and the brotherhood and the togetherness and the solidarity of Muslims with each other. We have in our Islamic current state of affairs we have those who violate all of these meanings and all of these ayat and all of these hadiths. The ayat, just to mention one ayah, وَاعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا And all of you, and this is Allah speaking to the committed Muslims, hold on to the means that has been extended to us by Allah and be not divided be not at odds with each other especially when it comes to those odds turning into belligerency in the hadiths of the Prophet we will just mention one المؤمن للمؤمن كالبنيان يشد بعضه بعضا A committed Muslim in relationship to another committed Muslim is like a structure. One part of the structure reinforces the other. These are meanings that bring us together as Muslims with the different degrees of knowledge and ignorance that range from illiteracy to scholarship. With all of this, we are required by Allah to stick together, so to speak. But we have, and we've had, and probably it's going to continue, those who want to rationalize and legitimize divisions among Muslims, the average Muslims, 
We can understand divisions among governments and among regimes and among rulers. That's almost to be expected. But among we, the Muslims, in masajid, in communities, in regions, we have this Allah-given blessing to be with each other. But then here comes those who want us to hate each other. And with the short time period I have because of the weather conditions today, please pay attention because I'm going to try to go through this very quickly. But nevertheless, some of this information should stay with you. If we wanted to pinpoint the origins of this basically hatred, and we've seen it, some individuals pass by here making these remarks, looking the way they look, concerning what we are supposed to be, which they're, which we are, their brothers and sisters, even though they don't consider us like that. All of this began with this individual, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab in the Arabian Peninsula. This was over 200 years ago, and he was opposed by his own brother, who wrote a book refuting his brother's contentions and he was opposed by his own father who was considered a scholar and a faqih in his own right. Nevertheless, this person appeared and there is information. This is one of these personalities in which information about them is scant at the best. I mean, factual, actual information not to the type of information that almost raises him to the status of a designee of Allah. This person in some of the information that still has to be verified and the lack and the absence of this vital information is protection of that personality. He was contacted by the British and he had four wives and he married a fifth wife who was he, he took in one of these explanations of either al ima or al jawari or al muta and she was british we don't know whether this is exactly what happened but that information is out there so he begins his journey in the Muslim context of the Arabian Peninsula saying that Muslims are kafirs and mushriks. In the context, and truth be said, in the context of those days, there was a heavy dose of ignorance among the Muslims. There were some myths, some superstitions, exaggerations that needed education and knowledge they didn't need a sword and killing it just needed education and I he, he no no he didn't take that approach if anyone disagreed with his type of understanding of Islam the sword was the answer so therefore all the Christians became kafirs all the Muslims became kafirs the Egyptians became kafirs because they had a Sufi, a Sayyid al-Badawi, 
who they respected, and because of their respect of a Sufi, mixed with their ignorance of the time, this Wahhabi mentality said that these are kafirs. In addition to that, the Egyptians have a reverence for Imam al Hussein and for a Sayyida Zainab, and in the view of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab and his fanatical followers, they become kafirs. They're called Quburiyin, you know, gravists, people who venerate graves. They, Muslims go to graves, but they don't worship anyone in the grave. But that's the contention that was made by Ibn Abdul Wahhab and his followers. So the words kafara and kuffar and mushrikeen and ashab bid'ah and all of this became the order of the day. And this mentality and this attitude, wherever they saw a church, in their opinion, it is legitimate to destroy that church. Uh, people, the Muslim people themselves, they became kafirs. And this obviously from the British who were making inroads in Muslim countries served their purposes. Okay, let Muslims kill themselves. Some of them consider others kafirs. And they emphasized the legal aspects of Islam. No emphasis whatsoever on the moral character of a Muslim. You don't, you don't read about them or read from them that they emphasize the issues of وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصًا The ayah in the Qur'an that says Muslims prefer others to themselves even if these Muslims are in need. They still prefer others to themselves. There's nothing about بِرِّ الْوَالِدَيْنِ There's nothing about being good to your neighbor. There's nothing about all of these moral issues in the Quran are omitted from their mentality and from their attitudes. So this type of this type of basis gave us what we have today. These ISIS types and their config, different configurations around the world came from that foundation. So it's all right to kill 80 or 90 children, Muslim children, if your target is one imperialist. They never had a Zionist target. You should understand that. But if there's an imperialist target in Asia or in Africa, and to, to get, to eliminate that target, you're going to have to kill 100, 200 Muslims in their understanding of things. These are not Muslims, kuffar. So we're killing everyone who's a kafir. In their heyday in the Arabian Peninsula, at the beginning of this spurt, co coalition between Ibn Abdul Wahhab and Ibn Saud, Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab and Muhammad Ibn Saud, in that coalition, in their heyday, they had 20,000 warriors. This may seem in our day peanuts. In those days, you can say 20,000 is equivalent to 200,000 if not 400,000 in today's world. That's a, that's a force to be reckoned with. But they were, they were taken on. The uh, rulers in Egypt, they 
had a military campaign, went to the Arabian Peninsula and defeated this force. This was about 200 years ago, almost to the year. Two centuries ago, they, they, this first spurt or this first attempt by the Wahhabi Saudi alliance to establish a state of their own and in the world of that time we had our own problems with imp- with colonialist forces the British the French the Russians etc we had life and death wars with them and here they are killing we the Muslims who are trying to defend ourselves in the larger context and then in today's world anything can become an issue of defining a Muslim a kafir I'm going to give you a, a small example in which they make a big argument about you know in today's world when you write when we're writing uh, let's say a sentence or a book or whatever we're writing and we want to emphasize a word we underline it they say no you should overline it because underlining it is a description or is a feature of the kafirs and so if you're underlining a word you have gained a feature of the kafirs so you're partially kafir this is how deep I don't want to you know mention other examples here there are other examples but this gives you you know their attitude if you're wearing something a trouser that reaches your ankle or your foot you're also becoming a semi-kafir it has to be somewhere between your ankle and your knee if you meet that description mashallah you've become a refined Muslim you see they look at the surface there's nothing in them that penetrates to the heart and with all of this nonsense that they preach and they teach we still say that these are brother Muslims they are wrong they are obviously living in a deviation but then it's not like them if they disagree with us also already we've become kafirs we don't do these types of things anyways they were defeated in the Arabian Peninsula by the military campaigns a couple of them from Egypt one of them led by a young general 24 years old upon returning to Egypt this general who defeated this Wahhabi nonsense in the Arabian Peninsula dies of a serious ailment and then once again they rebuild themselves they regenerate themselves in the Arabian Peninsula and another force was sent from Egypt by Muhammad Ali Pasha at that time his son Ibrahim Pasha and they defeated them once again and Ibn Saud was apprehended he was taken to Egypt for two to three months he was not treated like a prisoner of war he was respected even though he's responsible for all of that bloodshed and then after that he was sent to Istanbul where he was executed and the form of execution is his form of execution which is you chop off the head 
Let me mention also some of the nonsense that these Wahhabis had. They actually suspended the Hajj for a few years. We don't know this in our Islamic history. They suspended the Hajj for a few years and their excuse was that the Egyptians were deviating in the performance of the Hajj. What was the Egyptian Muslim deviation in the performance of the Hajj? The Egyptians had two things when they used to go to the Hajj. One of them was called Al-Mahmal. Al-Mahmal was the Egyptian contribution to the Hajj in Mecca. They would bring the adornment cloth or fabric to cover the Kaaba. And along with that, they would bring scholars, they would bring different type of types of foodstuffs. There were many things that they would bring to the Hajj. Along with them, there was a Sufi element to the Egyptian Hujjaj. And this has to do with dhikr and the consciousness of Allah. And in the Wahhabi mind, this is a bid'ah, this is a dalala, this is a form of kufr. So we have to stop the Hajj. And they did that. The Egyptians also had something called a takiyah. And that is, in today's language, it's like a hotel that in Al-Madina. Al-Mahmar was in Mecca, at takiyah was in Al-Madina around the Prophet's Masjid, in which they would, the Egyptian Muslim hujjaj would offer accommodations to the other hujjaj who are coming. And this, in the eyes of these Wahhabis, was a bid'ah bordering on kufr and shirk if not kufr and shirk in itself so we have to be cognizant of this these are the origins and then we have what we have today we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve the togetherness of Muslims and to expose these who are dividing the Muslims all the way up to war fronts, killing, legitimizing the killing of our own selves. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ودعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم. الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم My dear brothers and sisters committed Muslims This area in which there is a working relationship between these mukaffaratis, mukaffiratis in the Arabian Peninsula and their sponsors, the colonialists of the past centuries, the imperialists and Zionists of today. This relationship has to be worked on. We have to expose 
this relationship. Part of the news items that you can trail or track in today's world will shed light on this relationship. Just yesterday, the White House pressured Congress to take the heat off of Saudi Arabia. You may notice, you may have noticed in the past months and years, there's been a division of American policy concerning Saudi Arabia. Good cop, bad cop, when it comes to Saudi Arabia. The White House is saying that the bad cop towards Saudi Arabia has gone too far. So now, let's ease it when it comes to dealing with these guys. Last Friday, there was this incident in Pensacola, Florida, in which a Saudi lieutenant, or second lieutenant, opened fire, killed three service members, and injured eight. And then we had the Saudi Arabian ambassador visit them, was it yesterday or the day before, went to Pensacola, Florida, visited with the families of the victims of that incident. So should it be, should it come? We don't know yet exactly. There's some news reports about the details of this incident, but still the whole picture has not been cleared up. In the past few days in Saudi Arabia, there's a person, a wad, let's say, maybe a remnant of those who used to belong to Hayat al-Amr bil-Ma'roof and al-Nahiyya al-Munkar, what the Western press calls their moral police. He saw a few young ladies sitting at a shopping center. They didn't have a niqab on. They were not covering their face. And then he looks at one of them and he says to her, Ya Zaniya, uh, which means... Uh, you adulteress. It's it, the connotations of it in that society. It's like saying the B I T C H word in English. And there was a little exchange of words. The person was apprehended and taken and thrown behind bars. You see, instead of approaching this attitude, this exemplifies what was said in the first khutbah. If he considered those young ladies, his sisters, in faith, he could have just approached them and spoken to them with the moral character of a Muslim. What's this provocation, this insult language? As if all of a sudden they've become, these young women, they've become some female demons in his eyes, to use those types of words when speaking to them. And in this good cop, bad cop relationship between Washington and Riyadh, Washington has barred one of the Saudi diplomats from entering the United States. This diplomat was the Saudi consul in the consulate of Saudi Arabia in Istanbul, where the butchering of one of their journalists took place last year. The budget of Saudi Arabia 
is falling 50 billion dollars short which means they're going to suffer a deficit of 50 billion dollars in this coming fiscal year of theirs this past week there was a summit in Saudi Arabia that brought together virtually all of the heads of the Gulf Cooperation Council the GCC that was they set a record because it was the shortest summit that was ever convened 30 minutes and then after that they read the resolution of that summit and what did they say they discussed or supposed to have discussed military threats in the area and then you're unifying the currency among them and then the king orders writes some type of directive that the government authorities should pursue graft and bribes and financial irregularities in the governmental offices which tells us what there's a lot of immorality that's uh, that's the bottom line character of people who steal money and who circulate money among themselves in illegitimate ways there was a fire in one of the prisons in Saudi Arabia I think it was a Riyadh and Malaz prison it's called in which three people were were burned to death I guess 21 others reported injured when the uh, news item first came out and that prison is known to have prisoners of conscience in it these are not hardcore criminals or criminals guilty of felonies and misdemeanors who 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 are the victims we don't know was there an attempt to try to instead of saying we're going to execute certain prisoners they burn them to death in a way that say oh there was an accident there's a quran that was printed in Saudi Arabia this past month and it had a mistake one of the ayat it was ayah number 34 in surah al-qalam inna lil muttaqina inda rabbihim jannatin na'im that's the ayah what was the mistake in this quran it said inna lil muttaqina inda rabbihim jannatin na'im instead of jannat with a ta at the end of the word it was a tha at the end of the word meaning instead of putting two dots over the letter they had three dots over the letter these mistakes occur I mean no one is infallible things like this happen what is noteworthy here is the mistake was found immediately and we are told those editions were taken out of circulation this is how Muslims care for the Quran the books of hadith are not like this this forces us to compare when anyone makes a mistake in the printing of the Quran it is discovered but when those who make many mistakes in omitting and in adding to the hadiths now who's there what type of organization or what type of collective effort do we have to 
look after the accuracy of the hadiths. No, no such thing. What is also noteworthy in this regard is that this Qur'an is called Qur'an or Mus'haf al-Malik Salman. You've seen some of these Mus'hafs that are printed, Mus'haf al-Malik Fahid, Mus'haf al-Malik Salman. Where's the bid'ah? These people who come out and say, oh, this is bid'ah. No, it's not bid'ah. Where, where did that bid'ah mentality go? If someone says, Mus'haf Fatima, Astaghfirullah, this is something big. This is kufriyat. This is that and the other. And Mus'haf Fatima is not, is, is not in, in reference to the Qur'an. It's in reference to some of the writings that she had. But this is the Qur'an itself that they call Mus'haf al-Malik Fahid and Mus'haf al-Malik Salman and Mus'haf this Malik and that Malik. And then every, they go silent. The same people who point to bid'ahs and dalalas and kufr and shirk, where are they? You think right now they'd go into action. Let us hear from them. No, they're silent. What else do we have? We have the Saudis and one representative from Iran. The Irani representative goes to Saudi Arabia and then they work out among themselves the accommodation for the pilgrims who are the Irani pilgrims who are going to go to Hajj in this coming year. The, uh, the Saudi news sources say last year 60,000 pilgrims went from Iran to Hajj. Other news sources say it was 80,000 pilgrims that went from Iran to the Hajj last year. They're asking from the Iranian side, they're asking for better accommodations. Even though last year the news report said that they were almost received with flowers and open arms and all of this. Looks like some of these diplomats in Iran are... And also to add to this news item and to what these types of diplomats, what is going on behind the scenes, these are not efforts or these are not meetings that are reported in the press. The Saudis are trying to extricate themselves from the problems that they created for themselves in Yemen, in Syria, in Iraq, in the Gulf area. So they decided right now, let's sit down with with the Iranians. Let's sit down with them and try to find out how we can solve these types of issues that right now seem impossible to solve. Another one of these developments that came to light in this past week, during the 1970s and 1980s, the Israelis gave the Swedish government 192 young Palestinian, some of them were infants and some of them were very young orphans, to take care of them. They're somewhere where they grew up. They're somewhere in Sweden. Who knows who they are, where they are. But at least they could have referred them to some Palestinian families who would take care of them. But no, they didn't do anything of the, of the sort. 
And this is not to mention what is happening to the Palestinians today, right now, in Gaza, where there's been for, I think it's been 82 weeks, that there's been Palestinians going to the demarcation line and being shot at, some of them killed, some of them wounded. And who cares? I mean, if you have the the Saudi Wahhabi type of masajid all around the world, who's going to mention these types of things? They go unnoticed. Why? Because the bottom line Wahhabi Saudi comment on Palestinians, oh, these are kuffar, kafirs. And don't be surprised if they pass by here, oh, these are kuffar praying in the street. There you have it. This is the type of the type of mentality and the type of people that we are speaking about. An ex-rabbi of the state of Israel went to Bahrain this past week and met with the king of Bahrain and made a statement like the peoples in the Middle East. He's referring to the Muslims. They are anxious to have peace with Israel. And then the Israelis made it public that they are going to participate in what is called Expo 2020 in Dubai this coming year. The Sudanese have cut down the numbers of their military people in Yemen. They used to have 15,000 Sudanese soldiers fighting alongside the Saudis in Yemen. Now they say they're down to 5,000. You would think this news item, you would think, should be all over the place. But you don't hear about it neither from Muslims, nor from Christians, nor from Jews. So what is the news item? The Israelis have forbidden Christians who live in Gaza from going to Al-Quds or to Bethlehem on Christmas next week. They can't go. They're banned. Now, if you say something like that, this is a fact. Don't say I'm anti-Semitic or I'm this, that, or the other, because I'm stating a fact, which should be stated. I don't know if you listen to conservative radio commentators. There's one Yehudi, Mark Levine, celebrating Hanukkah. I think it was in the White House. He said this. It's an honor. This is Yehudi saying this, a Zionist Jew who's saying this, not me, not someone else. I'm quoting. It's an honor to be here with the first Jewish president of the USA, of the United States. And if he isn't, he should be. And then finally, we have some legal procedures in order in France to bring to a court of law the uncle of the president of Syria because he has amassed illegitimate wealth, an empire of real estate in France, stole the money from the Syrian people, and now he's living in exile, doing what he thinks he's getting away with. This is where our mind should be 
And this is how we Muslims should be morally and mentally located. Remember, some years ago, some Muslims used to say, quote the Prophet, وَمَنْ لَمْ يَهْتَمَّ بِأُمُورِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَلَيْسَ مِنْهُمْ or لَيْسَ Muslim. He who is not concerned with the affairs of Muslims is not one of them, according to one narration, or according to another, is not a Muslim. What happened? What happened to these individuals? Where are their khatibs? Where are their jumu'ahs? Where are their speakers? Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah. وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اجْتِنَابَهُ وَلَا تَجْعَلْهُ مُلْتَبِسًا عَلَيْنَا وَاجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك وإنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة